Welcome into Locked on Knicks. We are going to finish up our August mailbag. We would have made it, but we had our uh, fantastic episode with Mike Walzeski the other day that we weren't expecting. So uh, I, I think that was a good surprise anyway. Anyway, Gavin, we have one final question to get into, and I will leave it to you to explain what it is that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so it was it was a loaded one. It's basically what do we expect the next rotation to look like in terms of minutes distribution. So in this podcast, we're going to go position group by position group, break it all down for you. How are Derek Rose and Kemba Walker going to split things up? Who's playing on the wing for the Knicks? Will Obi top and break through and get more minutes? Will Mr. Robinson get the time he deserves? All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Thompson tucks left. Now fires a three. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Just to let you guys know, Fridays on Locked on NBA, Nick Angstad of Locked on Mavericks and Adam Mayers of Locked on Nuggets power rank the week that was in the NBA. Follow the Locked on NBA podcast today wherever you get podcasts. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, about to get back into it with some high school sports and Gavin, we are breaking down the rotation today. This is actually our final mailbag episode, but it was a nicely timed question because we kind of wanted to do an episode like this anyway, and then we got a mailbag question for it. So our final question for the August mailbag, which gets its whole own episode, comes from DP at Captain Pearl NYK. Curious how you see the minutes per game distribution and who's situational when everyone's healthy. So, Gavin, I went and found this, like, really cool tool online. I, I love shouting out cool things that I find. So it was at the hoopsgeek.com uh, slash, to be exact, slash basketball-rotation-app. Uh, you can literally, like, write in all the players on the side and then drop them in and, like, create overlapping rotations for point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Uh, and So you can see how it would actually kind of look acting out on the floor rather than just kind of assigning minutes. So I did one of those. I went real deep on this. Uh, I figure we should probably break this into like guards, wings, bigs, or like center. I I think we could probably say maybe its own category. Uh, But no matter what, we should start with guards. So how do you see the guard rotation breaking down? Arguably the one, probably the most interesting, uh, positional debate out of all of them going into this year. Yeah. So I almost, I almost had trouble even just doing guard because I think you can argue that three different players, Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, Emmanuel quickly will, will get minutes as the, the nominal point guard throughout the year. Um, and, and miles McBride, if someone gets hurt and then Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, and maybe RJ Barrett, but I, I really, I don't think we'll see much of RJ at the two just because the Knicks don't really have a lot of options at small forward as we'll go over. Um, so so for the sake of this conversation, we'll say Evan Fournier, Alec Burks are nominal too. But I think what makes it fascinating is, Alex, I don't uh, right, right off the bat, let me know if you agree with me on this. 
I, I think we're going to see some Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose lineups to close games. And I think we'll certainly see Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly back together on the bench unit this year. Yeah, I have Rose and quickly spending almost all their time together uh, in the way that I, and of course, you know, rotations, they change game to game. So it's not like every single game is going to follow perfect script. Although Tibbs does get into those ruts where he does follow sort of a script. So maybe we will see that to a degree. But like in my scripted version that I put together, yeah, Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly are pretty much exclusively out there. The way that I drew it up, I actually, at a full strength lineup, I don't see any minutes where quickly is the point guard out there. Uh, because I just think that one of Derek Rose or Kemba Walker will be will be out there as the point guard if the Knicks are fully healthy and, and those guys are able to go like that. The other thing, maybe this is a little interesting too, I actually don't have Alec Burks playing at all unless it's in three guard lineups. And if we're considering him a guard, right. And I guess he's sort of flex guard wing, but like the lineup of him quickly in Rose last year was actually pretty effective and like very aesthetically pleasing. Like those guys really fed well off of each other. They were great at finding each other for three, you know, kind of breaking down the defense and kicking out to one another along the perimeter. And I think that'll continue this year. And I think that's a combo that the Knicks, we'll be pretty excited to get back on the floor again. So yeah, to answer your question on top of all that too, I also do have like, I think that there will be some small stretches at full strength where you'll see Derek Rose and Kemba Walker on the floor together as well. Um, as like the one, two, and then, you know, maybe even with the starters. So like those two, while Fournier is still just taking his final bit of rest before Rose goes back to the bench, you know, from his stint, I think we will definitely see some of those lineups uh, where you get, get both the point guards out there at once, which has potential to maybe be a little rough defensively, but offensively, I think would be very fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly in agreement with you. So to get into the, uh, the actual minutes distribution at the guard spots, I have Kemba Walker at 28 a game, Derek Rose at 22 a game, Emmanuel quickly at 14 and Evan Fournier at 30 and then Alec Burks at 16. I, I guess, again, if you want to consider him a nominal guard, though, I think a lot of those minutes, to your point, Alex, will, will probably ultimately come at the three. Um, but I, I think it'll be fascinating to see first just how much Kemba and D Rose we get as a regular season look, because I, I think come playoff time, that might be that you might get games where both those guys are out there for. 30 minutes like maybe maybe I guess that's stretching it but you still have Fournier and you still have RJ but I, I think I think you'll have significant time in the playoffs I guess we're there on the court together and then Fournier I think is pretty much a lock for 30 minutes because to me he him and Alec Burks to some extent obviously there there's some pretty significant differences there are are, are similar players um in, in a very rudimentary view of both of their games but Fournier just does a lot of the same things better right like just just a much, much better shooter and and a more talented overall scorer even inside the arc. And then RJ well, you know what we'll save RJ for the for the wing section, but I, I'm just I'm I'm curious like what that Kemba D Rose um duo looks like because the the version of Rose that we saw last year, not that he was perfect defensively, but the effort he was putting in flying around like I, I think that guy can play the two, and obviously there there are going to be some tough matchups there. There are going to be some younger guards who like with their quickness and overall athleticism, or guys, but they're savvy who will will give him some trouble. But I think with his size, with his strength, like he can hold up there a bit. Um, and I guess the other fascinating element of that is Kemba playing only twenty eight minutes, 
and, and that's obviously well below what we've seen from him for the majority of his career in Charlotte, his first year in Boston. And last year, the Celtics had him on more of a maintenance plan. It, w- it was a little bit closer to that. I, I think the Knicks take advantage of their depth right from the start of the season and try and keep his minutes down from the get-go. But that's not really the the Tibbs way traditionally. So I guess I'm, I'm more so saying that's how I would handle it. Um, but I'm curious what you think. Do you, do you think Tibbs has the discipline to if Kemba's clearly the best option at the point guard spot? And I, I guess the mitigating factor is we know how much he loves Rose. So there's a chance that that overrides his, his need to put the best guy out there, which I, I very much think will be Kemba. Um, but I'm, I'm, I guess this, that's all a long-winded way of saying I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. I kind of think, I think the front office probably has said to Tibbs, like, you have to exercise a little bit of caution with Kemba and preferably with Rose too. Like, I get the feeling that we will see some alternating rest games. I doubt that those two will ever rest on the same day, short of if one of them is like legitimately hurt and the other one like needs to rest on the second game of a back-to-back or something. But I think that's one thing that we can actually glean from like how the Knicks approached Summer League, where Tibbs was clearly there having lots of input on what was going on. Like he, particularly with Quickly, took a lot of time after games. Like Tibbs was there for pretty much every summer league game, coaching up quickly after the game, talking to him about what had just happened on the floor and everything else. And I think that that probably says to me that the front office is planning on being like, hey, you know, we gave you lots of depth this year, Tibbs. Like you have, you have, you know, Rose and Kemba, who when you were fully healthy should soak up all the minutes at the one. But if one of them needs to rest, we're not like dead in the water here. Like you still have quickly who were testing out a lot in summer league at point guard. You still have Deuce McBride, who maybe profiles a little bit better as a combo guard, but certainly can soak up some minutes there, particularly if you pair him with like some guys that can handle the ball credibly. You know, so if you put Deuce McBride out there for a little bit with like Fournier and RJ, then they can take some of that load off of McBride as far as handling the ball and trying to create and stuff like that. Um, So I think that I think Tibbs will probably exercise some caution if. If I was going to give my numbers, so I had uh, Kemba at 31 and a half minutes per game. And again, this is assuming on days where I guess that's where I'm assuming that he will have rest days and want to play back to backs and stuff. So he should be able to play like a, a pretty decent starters workload on the days that he is playing, which I had at 31 and a half minutes per game. Um, Evan Fournier at 30 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, RJ, oh, we're doing RJ next. Uh, Derek Rose at 20 minutes and 30 seconds, which is maybe on the low end. Uh, Alec Burks, which again, I pretty much had all of his minutes at the three, but of course on certain nights he could play at the two as well, uh, at 16 minutes and then Emmanuel quickly at 15 and a half minutes. And that rounds out the guards for me. Um, I, I think it's probably if I had to guess a little, a little bit bullish on what quickly's minutes are going to actually be saying that he's going to get 15 and a half, I think at full strength. He's going to struggle to find that many. And honestly, the biggest guy, spoiler alert for the next segment, is like I have RJ Barrett a little low. Um, And I think that he's the guy that he would get more minutes. And then you would see like Burks uh, ending up as the two guard in those lineups with RJ and whoever, whether it's, you know, Kemba, Rose, whatever. And, uh, you know, RJ would get more minutes at the three then. That's kind of my thought. Um, but I guess notable omissions, there's only really one for the guards, and that's Deuce McBride. I, you know, we've t- and Luca Vildoza, I guess, too. But like we've talked about that before, it's it's going to be pretty difficult for the rookies to find minutes and for Vildoza. Uh, so I, I don't really think it's going to be 
an easy battle for them to find minutes short of those rest nights. But I do think that based off the fact that Deuce did so well at Summer League, quickly did so well at Summer League, Tibbs probably will see both of them in training camp and be like, heck yeah, these guys can do it. And, you know, we should see some rest days, in which case on those rest days for Rose and or Kemba, we'll be able to see more of those guys and they should get some minutes. Um, it's more around playoff time where it gets a little a little trickier. Uh, but Gavin, I tell you what, I am not sweating it, though. I, it, the nice thing about the Knicks guard rotation is that they have a lot of depth and we don't have to worry like we have in past years. And I'm also not sweating it because I'm wearing sweat block and sweat block helps prevent sweating when you don't want to sweat. I'll tell you what I'm doing this weekend. I'm going, uh, I, I hope everything goes well from a COVID perspective. I'm going down to see my friends in Texas. And uh, as of right now, I think the forecast is 100 degrees. And granted, it's dry heat down there. We won't have to deal with as much humidity in Dallas. But uh, it is, it's still hot. 100 degrees is 100 degrees. I want to be able to wear what I want. You know, maybe I want to go out wearing a gray t-shirt one day. I don't want to, you know, feel like I have to change my wardrobe just because I know that my pits are going to sweat and make me look like a sweaty fool. And that's why I wear sweat block. Sweat block prevents that. It is doctor created and doctor recommended and easy to apply wipe. You just dab it under your underarms before bed and then wash it, wash off the excess in the morning and you're good to go. Works for up to seven days per use and comes with the dry shirt guaranteed. Guarantee if sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. You can wear what you want to wear and it can be your little secret to confidence just like it is for me and help you enjoy your visits with your friends more where you don't have to worry about being a you know a big sweaty beast all the time. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And with that... We are back on the Locked On Knicks podcast, and we are going to move on to uh, let's let's just say the forward spots, Alex, because I, I agree with you. I think we should save the centers collectively for last. So at the forward spot again, Alec Burke, sort of a hybrid. I already mentioned that I have him at 16 minutes a night, but I have RJ Barrett at 34 minutes per night, and RJ. Um, I, I find the forward depth kind of interesting because again, this Knicks team is insanely deep in some respects, but a lot of it is is centered in, in, in the backcourt. I, and I guess if RJ were to go down, all of a sudden you'd have Burke starting and you would probably have um, Quentin Grimes coming in off the bench. Maybe you'd have Evan Fournier, um, who's, who's certainly capable of handling it, playing some minutes at the three. At the four, I, I wonder if we don't talk about this quite enough, but if anything, uh, God forbid, knock on every piece of wood in your house, were to happen to Julius Randle, are you is Obi Toppin playing thirty plus minutes a game? Or are we getting Taj at the four? Which, if I'm remembering correctly, like in in the one or two games Randall missed, that's that's what we saw a, a decent amount of. And obviously, I, I just think 
Taj is, is purely a, a theoretical spacer in that he can hang out on the perimeter, but no one will guard him. And despite that, he won't make very many shots. I, I guess that could be a chance for Obi Toppin to shine and really take over the role. But uh, obviously, I mean, anytime your best player gets hurt, it's, it's a massive, massive point of concern. But for the Knicks in particular, I don't really know if they have a clean replacement there. So I'm interested to see if that sorts out. But Alex, were you, were you as high as I am on R.J. Barrett playing a lot of minutes? So the way I see it with him is there's just not really another great option on this roster for guarding opposing small forwards. Maybe Quentin Grimes as the year goes along, will be that guy. Alec Burks is, is sort of just fine on defense, but at least as far, as far as I remember from last year, he was a little bit better off guarding twos than threes. So I'm fascinated to see what they do with that spot when RJ's out. And I, I think because of the, the lack of a similarly sized guy to RJ that they no longer have with Reggie Bullock on, and Grimes may be lacking a little bit of the experience to do that on a really high level just yet, I, I think we're going to see big, big minutes from him. Yeah, so I... I actually, and I mean, I, so I tweeted out my rotation earlier, just like screenshots, and someone actually said, like, I think that's a little low for RJ. I kind of agree with the person who said that on Twitter. I have RJ at 30 minutes currently, and I do think that is a little low. And I think it's ultimately going to, like I, like I was kind of saying in the last segment, I think him getting more minutes is going to come at the expense of quickly, unfortunately, because I think what that'll mean is Alec Burks will shift up to the two, because I do have Alec Burks as, as the primary backup three. I also have Evan Fournier playing a little bit of his minutes at the three. Because um, I think that they could throw a look out there. Like before they get like RJ back in, for example, like for his final stint, they might throw a lineup of like Kemba, Rose, and Fournier out there as the one, two, three uh, to get Fournier back in the game for the home stretch of the game, but like not sub Rose out just yet. And, you know, before they get RJ back in that sort of thing. So, you know, I could see a lineup like that playing. So in that respect, you know, I think Fournier can adm- admirably play some minutes at the three if they get creative with the guards. And maybe you even see like, you know, I didn't I didn't write it down at all. But again, everything, everything that I wrote down, like rotations aren't cookie cutter. They're not always going to happen the same way. Although Tibbs makes us feel that way sometimes. Like, you know, a lot of what goes on with rotations is just kind of getting a feel for what's going on on the floor and just kind of embracing what's happening. So, you know, this, this might happen sometimes. It might not happen at all. It might happen all the time. But I could see a world where, you know, you might see like uh, Fournier be the first sub out kind of thing and then the first man back in and then he plays some minutes at the three with like Rosen quickly at the one and two, something along those lines. Um, I think by and large, at least at first, Burks is going to be the guy that backs up RJ though. And is going to soak up most of those minutes. As I said in the last segment, I have him at 16 minutes. And it's actually, when I wrote it out on like a rotation chart, they're all at the three nominally for him. Uh, and I think that's just because, you know, as you alluded to, they have such good depth in the, the at the one and two spot, you know, especially if you're considering Fournier at two, um, which, you know, I, I think he is. I guess, you know, with him and RJ out there, you can debate all day who's the two and who's the three, but I, I'm pretty sure. It would be Fournier's the two, RJ's the three, just based off strength level, who they guard, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I think that I think Burks will soak up most of those minutes there. And uh, that'll be fine, because like I said in the last segment, like I really loved watching the Rose quickly Burks one, two, three lineup last year off the bench. That was one of the most dynamic three man combos that the Knicks had, I think, especially when you factor in Obi Toppin playing some minutes with them. Um and then in, in this scenario, fully healthy would be Nerlens Noel playing with them, you know, 
uh, guarding the paint and all that stuff so that they can get out and run the floor and, you know, shoot threes and all the fun stuff that that group does. Uh, that, of course, brings me to Toppin as well. I do agree with you. I do think of all the things on this roster, like when fully healthy, I think the Knicks are, are deep enough at every position. But if there is a world where Julius Randle has to miss any time at all, they're definitely kind of screwed at the four. I mean, I guess what you would have to start potentially experimenting with then, and I honestly really hope that they would think of experimenting with this, is if you were in a position where, where Julius is out for a game and Obi has to start, then you know, you'd get Obi probably at least 25 to 30 minutes in that game. And if not more like 35, maybe even. And then I would hope that for at least some of that time, rather than going with the traditional too big, like uh, Taj and, and Noel or, or, you know, whatever Taj and Mitch sort of lineup, which defensively could be pretty nice. Offensively would not be the prettiest. Uh, I would hope that they would maybe try something a little different and go with RJ at the four. And, you know, just like I think if you put RJ at the four, still had Mitch at the five and then had like three guys that can score the ball, but defend credibly. So let's say like I would assume this is like a bench unit. So let's say you do like Rose quickly and Burks or Fournier, RJ at the four and then Mitch at the five. I think that's a lineup that for small stretches could kind of make some noise and, you know, definitely scoring the ball and running in transition and everything be a pretty big force. So. I guess that's my answer to that. I really, my answer is I just hope Julius Randle's an Iron Man again and plays, you know, if not eighty-two games, maybe like at least like seventy-eight, <laughs> you know, and just doesn't miss a ton of time, and we don't even really have to have this discussion. Which honestly, between him and RJ, I mean, that if they play similar in one way, it's that they're both very conscious of their health with the way that they play, seemingly because both have vertical ability and have raw athleticism, and neither of them tap into it too often in an effort to keep themselves, you know, keep impact down on their knees, their lower body and all that stuff. So I, I hope that's how they'll approach it uh, going into this year. But Gavin, do you have anything to add to the forwards before we, uh, we take our second break and then move towards the, uh, the centers, which surprisingly is one of the more difficult positions. No, let's, uh, let's talk about how they probably possibly, I don't want to get sued, built those muscles up uh, built bar, right, Alex? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about a guy that built up some muscle, I mean, again, I can't say with any certainty, but just looking at Mitchell Robinson's uh, Snapchats and Instagrams lately, I think he may have been eating some built Bars this summer because he's looking big. He's looking like he's been, you know, working hard and getting a protein kick after his workout. And there's no better way to do that than with a built Bar. It comes in so many delicious flavors. Let me list them for you real quick. Coconut. Cherry Barcia, Raspberry Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and German Chocolate. You guys already know I rock with Cookies and Cream and Coconut. Those are my absolute two favorite flavors. I would die for those two flavors. And that's because they taste just like candy bars, but I don't have to feel guilty about eating them like I would if I ate like a Snickers bar or something. Because Built Bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein and just 130 to 180 calories per bar along with only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 
and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your hundred percent welcome bonus using our promo code Locked On. And be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. If you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener, that's next Thursday now, between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL 100 Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season bet online your online sports book experts and let's bring it home our third and final segment the center spot alex mitchell robinson versus nerland's noel i have mitch at 28 minutes per game nerland's at 20 minutes per game I think there's a case for Mitch dominating the minutes to an even greater extent, but it will come down to a number of factors. Can he stay out of foul trouble? Obviously, that that was a resounding yes last year where, if memory serves, he did not foul out of a single game last season and averaged right around two and a half fouls per game. Um, Is he healthy enough? to play that many minutes can he avoid uh, on top of just the serious somewhat fluky injuries he had last year can he avoid nagging injuries at a greater weight this year and what speaking of that weight what kind of shape is he ultimately in is is he built by built bar or is he built by some less dubious source of protein and and he's not going to have quite the cardio to play at his extraordinarily intense um defensive uh i guess ethos um to to show that on a game-to-game basis um that will reduce his minutes i i ultimately think nerlens is gonna get 20 because they they're paying him close to 10 million dollars a year they 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 gave him a contract that said you are going to play a significant role in this team and i feel like it was an indicator that even if they do have faith in mitch which i mean who's to say right now based on his particular contract situation they have faith in him as a as a just sub 30-minute-per-game guy, and, and not someone who can come out and play 34, 35 minutes at the center spot, which, which to be fair, is, is pretty rare in general in the modern NBA. But I'm curious, Alex, if Mitch really takes a step forward, um, proves to be one of the premier centers in the NBA this year, which I don't think is out of the question. I think his offensive game is really going to take off with Kemba Walker, regardless of what he's added this offseason, which who knows might, might be a little something. Um, I think he will prove himself to be a talent. That should be on the floor for more than 28 minutes. But I am dubious that he actually gets more time than that. Yeah, I was really close. I mean, I had it split at 30 for Mitch, 18 for Noel. So, I mean, we're talking two-minute difference per player. Um, and, and, you know, I guess I'm expecting, a, even if not a huge leap, like even if Mitch didn't take a big leap, he already was a pretty ideal player for uh, Tibbs last year. And on top of it, like, even if he doesn't take a leap in any of his skills, just having that not Alfred Payton point guard play uh, going on around him and having like credible lob passers around him at all times. You got to remember too, he didn't really get to play much with Derek Rose last year either. 
because of how the injuries, you know, the injury timings went. Like he he got hurt, I believe, at least a week or two before they got Rose. And then he came back shortly. And I think Rose might have been out for his his COVID absence at the time when Mitch was able to come back. And then he was only back for a few games before he broke his foot. So I'm actually I'd have to look. I'm I'm actually not even 100 percent sure that they even got to play together last year. But if they did, it was maybe like one game or two games. Uh, it was not a lot of time spent together on the floor. So, you know, with that in mind, he's he's going to get to play with Rose, who can definitely throw a lob pass. He's going to get to play with Kemba, who can a thousand percent throw a lob pass uh, quickly. You know, showed good chemistry with Sims and with Toppin in summer league as far as throwing lobs, and he had thrown some lobs to Mitch and others last year as well. So he can clearly do it. I mean, it, if that's if that's the only thing that improves with Mitch this year, he might still show huge improvements on the offensive end in terms of points per game and, and shot attempts per game and stuff like that, just by virtue of having guys that can actually find him with the ball. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on it. I do think though, you know, to your point and they'll probably, you know, maybe some of the same rules apply to Mitch that are going to hopefully apply to Kemba and Rose where the Knicks this year, having known like, okay, now, and this isn't Tibbs's way, but knowing like, all right, we're safely a playoff team. You know, we shouldn't, have to scratch and claw for every single win with the talent that we added this offseason against bad teams. You know, so if we're up against like the Orlando Magic or uh, let's try to think like other rebuilding teams, whatever. If you're up against a rebuilding team, and I don't know why the Magic come to mind immediately, poor Magic. Uh, but if you're up against a rebuilding team, you know, this year, last year, the Knicks had some of those games where their talent level just wasn't high enough on the overall to sit someone down and just say, okay, you know, we can put Julius on the shelf for the last 10 minutes of this game. And we're good enough that we can hold the 15 point lead and finish this game off. I think this year you might hopefully see a little more where Tibbs can say, all right, the talent level on this roster is so upgraded that if we go into the fourth quarter with a 10 point lead, you know, we can reasonably lean on some of our better subs, but subs nonetheless to kind of help guide us for most of this to the finish line and only throw the starters out there in case of emergency. Hopefully it won't be like it was at times last year where he would keep like Randall, RJ, you know, all the important players out there until, you know, two minutes left or a minute left with a 10 point lead, you know, just on that fear that like the other team was going to score 10 points in a row or something. Uh, So hopefully we see that. I don't know. It's we'll have to see how everything goes. Um, I think, though, that Mitch ideally will start getting a bunch of minutes, maybe they'll look for more of an even split at first as he gets his wind back uh, on an NBA court. And also, I mean, Nerlens did plenty, rightfully so, to earn some trust from Tibbs last year as far as being like the defensive anchor of this defense, which is the main thing that Tibbs looks for from his big man. But I think that once you factor in both of the things of Mitch's every bit the defender that Nerlens is probably better, is a better rebounder by a long stretch, and is a way like 100 times better finisher and has like a hundred times better hands around the rim. I, I think it should just like it did last year. You know, last year there was, I wouldn't call it a controversy, but you know, there was some talk. I mean, us included of what if Nerlens Noel comes out and gives you like 80% of what Mitch can like, you know, can, is he worth keeping more so than Mitch at like a lower cap number and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think those debates really exist anymore after what we saw from Mitch last year. And we, where we saw, and it's easy to forget, but like Tibbs, was very willing to have Mitch out there for pretty big minutes uh, last year and, and, you know, play him over Noel for pretty much the whole game, you know, like Noel would come in in spot minutes and it was almost like 
it wasn't quite a controversy, but there were almost sometimes where Noel was getting so few minutes that you were like, oh man, I wonder if he's starting to get pissed. Like, I think there was one report that it said something like, and this was before Mitch's injuries, but there had been a report out there that Noel himself had like said, this is crap, but uh, a rumor that it said like, oh, Noel is unhappy and he's going to ask for a trade soon because he's not getting a lot of playing time behind Mitchell Robinson. So it's easy to forget that sort of thing. But I think Mitch, Mitch will definitely, if he can handle it physically and looks like he's ready to rock for this season, he, he should have an opportunity to get like 30 minutes per game, I think, even if it doesn't come right away while they kind of ease him back in. Yeah, and last year it's worth noting he was at 27 and a half, but that's with the two games where he suffered the significant injuries. I remember one happened... I think early second quarter. So he, that I, was I think the Milwaukee it, one, I think yeah. if I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and I thought the other, I thought both of them were early in the game. So maybe, so maybe it was more like 29 to or somewhere around 29 minutes. So yeah, I think, I think somewhere right in that range. Um, I'm curious how they handle that with Nerlens and the fact that he signed that three year deal. I know there were, um, there were reports out there that Nerlens was, was quote unquote um, promised the opportunity to, compete for the starting job in camp. I think everyone knows who the better player is, right? Mitchell Robinson, uh, any any kind of politics or, or promises aside, is going to be the next starting center, is going to play the majority of the minutes. I I, I wonder if that could be a chemistry issue, if, if Mitch proves to have taken a really big leap and all of a sudden is playing closer to 33 minutes a game. But but again, I, I just think I think physically with how they're going to try to preserve him, that's not going to be an issue. And, and I think I think Tibbs really really loves him some Nerlens Noel, and I think that's going to keep things balanced in the same way um, Tibbs is rightful based on how he played last year. Love of Derek Rose will will balance out some of the Kemba Walker minutes. So yeah, I don't know, Alex. I'm pretty comfortable with all this, but let's let's wrap up answering the final part of this question: Which guys will be situational? And we we've, we've talked about it all offseason. We've hinted at it now. It, it's going to be the rookies, right? Miles McBride, Quentin Grimes will, will sort of be the, the the two names in that context that I'm really focused on. And McBride will play on games where Kemba or D Rose rest or are injured. I, I think it's as simple as that. Um, outside of that, I think almost regardless of how good he is. Like you could talk about a, a sacrilegious scenario where he somehow passes up Emmanuel quickly, but I, I think some of his uh, like defensively, everything he does will translate to the NBA. I think some of his offense and his ability, specifically to to run a team, I, will take a bit longer. And because of that, I, uh, inevitably, I think quickly stays ahead of him on the depth chart, and he's a guy who's limited to sort of a spot role. And I kind of think the same thing with Grimes, but I do think it's worth noting with Grimes, e- even if Rose or Kemba's out, if assuming only one of them is out, McBride is still playing very limited minutes. If something happens to RJ Barrett, I could sort of see a scenario where Grimes could be out there for close to 20 minutes on some games. And, and granted, you, you probably just see more of Evan Fournier at the three and, and more D-Rose Kemba lineups or more Kemba IQ or more D-Rose IQ lineups and a combination of Burks and Fournier at the three. But I think there's there's a scenario where Grimes would play a decent amount. With him, my only question is how his defense translates to the NBA. And I know I know people, just given his experience level and what he did at Houston at a very high level, leading them to a Final Four, I think it's going to translate right away. I, I, think, I think he'll be 
close to average, but I think expecting him to be a plus defender from the get-go is really, really tough because that's incredibly difficult for any rookie. And I don't know. I think he's a very solid defender and a very smart positional defender, and he's like decent lateral quickness, but he doesn't have those insane athletic traits that would, would sort of force you to put him out there earlier than otherwise expected. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add on those two guys. I mean, I think McBride will get some of those Frank Nilakina-style minutes where he goes out there every once in a while and, uh, you know, gets just thrown out on on someone to defend for, like, a possession at the end of the half because you just want someone that's going to bother the crap out of, you know, a player. And, you know, he might get some of those. And otherwise, yeah, he I think he should be able to find minutes if there's rest days for Kemba and Derrick Rose. And hopefully those will be happening enough you know maybe against those teams like I was mentioning you know that the Knicks should be able to comfortably beat maybe that's a day where you say okay Kemba you can take the day off and we'll play deuce some today and we'll give Emmanuel quickly some uh, point guard reps and stuff like that uh, Grimes kind of similar you know I think I, I, granted I, I don't he does have to compete with RJ Barrett for minutes so I don't really see a world where like they would ever sit RJ on a back-to-back or something like just because of all the players on the team, I think that he's the one that least needs load management and Tibbs would be least likely to give load management to just because of his age and everything else. Like he's still to this day, the youngest player on the team uh, going into going into this season. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I think that, that McBride and Grimes will, will just get those kind of situational minutes and, and that'll just kind of be that. Um, Also, I, I mean, I'll, Quickly shout out Taj Gibson too. Talking about uh, Tibbs' favorites a minute ago, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, T- if uh, Taj manages to find himself, you know, four minutes a game here and there, uh, just as a situational guy that they go to, and just because everybody seems to love Taj and what he brings to the court. So, but uh, on that note, this was a, a good question. As we said, this was you know sort of something we were thinking about talking about anyway, but. Thanks again to uh, DP at Captain Pearl NYK on Twitter for asking this question uh, to get us into this rotation debate. And uh, yeah, we, that's it for today's episode. Uh, and we will be back next week. If you haven't already, again, uh, go listen to our uh, interview with the Knicks PA announcer, Mike Wazeski earlier this week. It was really awesome. One of our favorite episodes that we've ever gotten to do. So definitely check that out if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, We will be back next week to talk about more Knicks topics as usual. Uh, But definitely now that you're done with this podcast, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And you can check it out. I was actually just on there. It it won't be locked on today. But if you go on locked on yesterday, uh, you can listen to me talk about uh, the new COVID policies uh, surrounding the Knicks, along with a couple other NBA teams based off city legislation that the NBA just handed down. So I talked to Peter about that uh, on yesterday's episode. But until next time, this has been Locked on Knicks. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Enjoy your weekends and peace out.